This might be the best quarterback draft class in years, and we have huge franchises like Chicago, New England, and Washington with a ton on the line. My name is Craig Horlbeck, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Danny Heifetz. We cover trades, free agency, the draft, obviously, everything. We'll tell you all about which quarterbacks are going to be good, which quarterbacks are going to be bad, like Kenny Pickett, and if there's a diamond in the rough, like Brock Purdy. Follow us at the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. This episode of the Ringer F1 show is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. Welcome to the Ringer F1 Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It's been a while since I've said that. I am your host, Megan Schuster, and we are here today to discuss some breaking news. Lewis Hamilton is leaving Mercedes and joining Ferrari ahead of the 2025 F1 season. SOS, light the bat signal. This is happening. It's official. There is truly so much to get into with this news from where the move stacks up among all-time F1 driver team changes, what does this mean for Charles Leclerc, George Russell, Toto Wolff, two of the most powerful teams in Formula One history? And why would Lewis want to do this? There's so much to talk about. And joining me to go over all of it is Spanners Ready. Spanners, first of all, as a noted Lewis Hamilton fan, how are what? you doing? How are you doing? Okay. Well, I'm glad you asked me that. And thank you for the opportunity to share my feelings in a safe place. <laughs> so... Obviously, I'm very honest about the drivers I support. You know, I'm a, a big Hamilton fan, a Perez fan, a Sonoda. So I like people to be able to put my comments into context, especially on a platform, you know, like this, so coveted as the ringer. You then want to reel that back in a little bit so you can then deliver things in an abject way and everyone can be in included. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. our approach. But Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari, may I have your permission to just park that for, for a few moments and, and sure. truly be myself. Are you sure? Yeah, of course. Okay, here we go. Oh, God, no! <laughs> why? Lewis, why would you... Why would you go to... Why would you abandon us, Lewis? No! <laughs> okay, so... Um, I'm pretty So you're calm doing well. You're doing it. really well. <laughs> because I've told you, you know, Ferrari are the big bad. They're the big enemy. And... If you'd have said this 2017, 2018, I think it would have been a lot worse in that battle with Ferrari and Vettel and they're being all death starry and they're taking the fight to Lewis Hamilton. I think it would have been worse then 
Mm-hmm. But this is not your grandpa's Ferrari. This is, and as we said throughout the season, you know, this is was quite a likable Ferrari. We sure. kind of saw there, everything seemed a bit more chill. Both drivers are quite cool. So it's a little bit less like that. But I, I honestly, I've been in shock as a Lewis Hamilton fan. I just, I can't believe it. I always thought all these rumors over the years, mm-hmm. they, they're just the kind of things people do to help themselves in contract negotiations. He's just signed a two-year contract, I had come to, in my heart, just, <laughs> I'd come to terms with Lewis Hamilton, Mercedes forever. Mm-hmm. And I've got, I've got, I've got to adjust to, to, to my fan space moving significantly. So, so what happens? This is like a, a, a later in life marriage and everyone's already got kids. <laughs> what, so me and the, me and the Tafosi have got a hangout at the dinner table now? Who, Holidays who together, bunk? celebrations. Yeah. Who gets top bunk? Yeah, Thanksgiving. Who gets the wishbone? I mean, this is crazy. This is a monumental, historic moment, I think, in F1. It, it really is. And I want to start, first of all, with the details, because this is still in really early stages and there's a lot left to be parsed through. So the rumor started Wednesday and were confirmed Thursday that Lewis would leave Mercedes after the 2024 season. So he will still be there this whole year still committed to, you know, trying to do as, as good as possible with Mercedes. He activated a cl- an exit clause in that extension that you mentioned that he signed with Mercedes last year, which was a two-year extension, but he is now going to be out and clear for 2025. In a statement with Mercedes, Hamilton said he was that leaving is, quote, one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make, but the time is right for me to take this step, and I'm excited to be taking on a new challenge. Toto Wolff also said, quote, Lewis will always be an important part of Mercedes motorsport history. However, we knew our partnership would come to a natural end at some point, and that day has now come. Shortly after the Mercedes statement, Ferrari announced Hamilton will be officially joining them on, quote, a multi-year contract. So we don't know the exact terms of how much longer this is going to be going on, starting in 2025. You mentioned that this, the history around all of this, this is the most successful driver in Formula One history going to the most successful, most famous, biggest brand in Formula One history. I've, I've been trying to contextualize this and I've, I've needed to kind of look to other sports to feel like I have any concept of doing this properly. I've seen some comparisons today of Tom Brady leaving New England to go to Tampa Bay and winning a Super Bowl there. But I think this is even bigger than that in that it'd be like if Tom Brady left New England to go to the Dallas Cowboys but also that New England and Dallas were like head-to-head rivals who had fought a lot over the years and especially were fighting and like at a similar stage of car development now. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like when Teddy Sheringham went to Colchester United to try and secure the <laughs> FA Trophy in 1998. That's exactly the same in my head. That comparison. <laughs> so I don't know your basketball or whatever it is you were talking about. Football, football. On, yeah, yeah, close. On paper, on paper, it's like it's obviously like a dream lineup. Like, wow, mm-hmm. Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari with Charles Leclerc there. Like, you couldn't pick a better dream team, really. Mm-hmm. And then you go, well, he's going from one team that has been champions. And you go to next season and go, well, realistically, next season, 2025, and then the the new regulations, which teams could potentially win? And, and realistically, I know people are getting excited about McLaren, but realistically, it's Ferrari, Mercedes, and and Red Bull. And so he's he's jumped ship to another one of those. Mm-hmm. The 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 activating his claws and them not finding out until yesterday, apparently. Apparently, that's the, the the management weren't told till yesterday. And he's not long. It's not been long since he's been in the sim. 
So, so what happened in the sim? <laughs> what, what was that day like? So apparently Anthony, Anthony Davidson had made these comments. I think they're infamous now, which is, well, I got in the sim and the car feels like a car. And I think collectively, yeah, that's what he said. That, his <laughs> comment from the sim was, for the first time in two years, the car feels like a car. And that oh, so, was so that the, was intended to be positive. He was intending that to be positive, okay. as in okay. it, it didn't feel connected to it in the sim over the previous two mm. two years. So this is Anthony Davison, who does a lot of their, their simulator work. So the rest of the F1 community, and I think Lewis Hamilton fans, looked at that statement and went, really? You've got McLaren saying, whatever it takes, we're going to take it to the F1 competitors. We've, we've got this, we've got Lando Norris, we're going to crush our enemies. And you've got Mercedes saying, the car feels like a car. And, <laughs> and I wonder if Lewis Hamilton just got in that simulator and went, well, it, it doesn't feel any, any different. He went through the motions of, of going to the simulator. He had the seat fitting a couple mm-hmm. of days ago that Mercedes tweeted. So something in that time you know, has made him click and go, Nah. So um, there was a good timeline reported by Craig Slater at Sky. And he, so this is the giveaway is that apparently Signs was told a couple of weeks ago that his contract wasn't going to be renewed. So mm. that's the timescale. And that matches up pretty much, I think, with all the simulator tweets that Mercedes were putting out. So yeah. that's how I think he got in the simulator and just went, nah. That is interesting because I, I remember in December reports that it, it sounded like Ferrari and Sainz were at least in negotiations, not necessarily that they were close or closing in on something, but it seemed like both sides were communicating and wanted to find a path forward. So that that timeline is really interesting. If if Lewis Hamilton reaches out and says, hey, I'm not super happy at Mercedes, what, would you be open to something uh, in 2025? But I, I wanted to ask you too, has there ever been an F1 move like this or a move as big as this? I, I've seen people basically comparing this to when Lewis went from McLaren to Mercedes ahead of the 2013 season. But outside of Lewis, like, is there anything that compares? I think it's much less of a, a, a 2013 move. So when he went to Mercedes, it was, wow, you're so fed up of the McLaren breaking down. And there's, I don't think there were seats available anywhere else. So it, was, it's, it felt kind of like defeat. So he'd won in 2008. He'd had a horrible time in 2009. 2010 was okay. Had struggled even against Jensen Button in 2012, 2011. I didn't mean any disrespect for Jensen Button, but I didn't, but ordinarily he should have been beating Jensen Button and he ended up like being absolutely nowhere in, mm. in that season except tabloid newspapers. And then 2012 comes along, uh, the engine's breaking down every five minutes and then he gets fed up and makes this seemingly desperate move to the, a fairly new Mercedes outfit. So no, that one, it, it seemed like, yes, it, of course it worked out, but everyone was, was trashing you know, that decision. Sure. And then a lot of people have tried to follow the Hamilton Mercedes model since then. So you go, okay, uh, Alonso going, ah, McLaren Mercedes, that will be, that will be the, the same. No, it was McLaren Honda, wasn't it? That will be my Lewis Hamilton move. And then Ricardo mm-hmm. to, to Renault. Renault with their wonderful, wonderful dreams uh, that Daniel Ricardo <laughs> you know, had to console himself with just $40 million a year. And so th- those sort of, that move at Mercedes, I think, gave a lot of people midfield uh, hopes that they could go from a top team to a midfield team, and then that team would be elevated along with them sure. as the dream. But I think something like this, where it's top team to top team, is it's a little bit rarer, isn't it? Like you go, well, well, Mansell kind of abandoned Williams to go to Ferrari. I suppose that's the next comparable. I'm having to go to 1966. <laughs> I think that's that's the 80s. But yeah, you don't often see you know the the top team shuffles like this. 
drivers tend to have to go up the ladder, mm -hmm. then you know drop down. So if you're like a Perez or a Magnussen and it doesn't go right, you 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 dip in the midfield, bide your time, and and see if you can get another shot. But no, it's it's the biggest team to team move I can I can recall in my head. This is absolutely uh, fantastic in in terms of historic scale, and it's bringing a lot of excitement to a season where. And especially coming off of a season where Red Bull just throttled the rest of the field and it, you know, going into 2024 appears that that may once again be the case. Now it feels like we have sort of this drama to look forward to another layer to parse throughout the season of like, you know, communications between Lewis and Ferrari and Mercedes and what that looks like and what the Ferrari car might look like and how competitive they could be. Um, it, it's exciting. I think it says a lot that you're I think you're right that Red Bull are going to dominate 2024 now because the hope the real hope of the field was Mercedes getting their act together yeah I don't think anyone was realistically thinking that uh Ferrari were going to flip a magic switch in the off season to 2024 McLaren could make a big jump but I really think people are dreaming if I if they think they were going to challenge Red Bull that's a hyper dream if you want to bet that they might be best of the rest yeah because Mercedes and Ferrari might might fluff again. Mercedes expelling the demons of the no pod concept and coming up with something brilliant was the only true hope yeah. of someone challenging Red Bull. Oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be negative. I'll, <laughs> I'll get it out of the way and then I'll do lie it. to everyone with sweet, sweet lies. Great. If Lewis Hamilton has looked in the simulator, looked around at what's going on, seen the wind tunnel data and seen the concept for 20. 24 and gone, nah, I'm going to Ferrari. That to me says the best hope of Red Bull being dethroned this season is, is probably gone. So I think maybe we can hope for a season where they're not winning all the time and, and other teams can put in, in challenges. You know, that, that it's a very normal situation in an F1 stable regulation set for a team to win and then keep winning. I think that's the expected thing. But that, that little hope that Mercedes just had something, something amazing and incredible for me personally, has been dashed by Hamilton going, you know, going. Because he, he, he's not stupid. He knows cars. I think he'll right. look at, he'll look, unless there's been a falling out, which it doesn't appear to be, but I think he'll have looked at that concept and he knows what he was unhappy with. And he kept alluding to the fact, they're not listening to me. Mm. They're not doing the concept I want. They're not, they're putting me too far forward in the, in the car. They didn't make the changes I was talking about. So, so maybe he's just lost the lost confidence in the in the engineering room around that board table. You know how you, a team can lose the locker room? Or maybe, <laughs> yeah, so maybe, absolutely. maybe they've, yeah, he's lost the engineering room, maybe. <laughs> I think part of what's fascinated me most today is that we've heard kind of Lewis to Ferrari rumors for, for, for quite a while, even going back to May of last season. And at the time, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of credence to them. Lewis came out you know, and said that there had been no contact between him and the team. Uh, Ferrari team principal Fred Vasseur said the same thing. They both kind of had quotes where they're like, we're not talking. But then Fred later in the season was like, well, we're always talking because he and Lewis have a great relationship that goes back to, I think he was with Lewis during Lewis's juniors days. So he was basically like, we're always talking. But if every time we were talking, we were negotiating, then that would be all that, you know, we did, whatever. It, it was very, very sweet. Oh, that girl? No, she's she's just an old friend. You're crazy. <laughs> no, of course we're we're chatting. We've got a lot in common. We've got yeah. We used to work together uh, at the place. Oh, you're so silly. It's not. It's not. She's not even my type. Not even my. I type. don't think about you're, her that you're way. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're just friends. You're crazy. Is what you're crazy to think that I would be talking to Ferrari. That's what that is. 
Right. I, I'm basically alluding to the fact that I think we've all been gaslit into believing that this wasn't a thing. And now they're deciding to announce it like, oh, this is the first time we've ever discussed this. And we just decided, you know, to come to terms and that this would be a good thing going forward. Well, it could be that. It could be. It still it could, could be. be that. You never know. But, uh, you know, Horner came out and said, well, they, they've been chatting, they've been having serious talks and, and that got rubbished. So, yep. I mean, that feels like a coincidence now if he was actually talking rubbish. And then it and then it has come to pass. The easiest conclusion to come to is that Horner had heard something. Now, Christian Horner was right. That that's the headline. That's the headline. Well, that you, I'm sure wait, he would love know. to see. I think that if things are sort of circumstantial and they sort of fit, mm-hmm. that's enough for me. That's no, enough. I'm with you. That, I'm with my, you. My I, bar I'm, for evidence is very low. I yeah. fully buy into it. Uh, I also find it interesting. Lewis has, you know, Fred is not the only one. Lewis has a long-standing relationship with. He also is apparently quite good friends with Ferrari's president, John Elkin. Um, so a lot of a lot of pre-existing relationships there that must have made it seem like this would be a good direction going forward. But I wanted to ask you just generally, you know, outside of maybe the Mercedes thing, why do you think he chooses Ferrari? Why do you think this is the timing of his decision going into 2025? Okay, so yeah, he's, he's got to look ahead and go, how long am I going to be in F1? There's two dead years ahead. So a lot of people are thinking that way. A mm-hmm. lot of people are going, well, these are the Red Bull years now. 2024, 2025, Verstappen's going to yeah, beat Prost and then become a five-time world champion. Then we all reset and we, we gather our resources and we, we go again. And there's, there's that kind of feeling for, for us as, uh, as pundits and in the media. And, and I think there's that feeling there in the paddock as well. So everyone's trying to now position themselves for the new regulations that come in in, mm-hmm. in 2026. If he stays with Mercedes at 2026, and he'll see it coming. So he might do 2024, 2025, and it's all a bit lost again. Then you've got confidence that they're going to go into a new regulation set as the best team. And if they're, if they are, if they're, if they're a dud in 2026 and Ferrari are good, and he goes knocking on the door of Ferrari... They go, oh, where were you when I was ugly and had braces? But now I'm prom queen. I don't know why I'm going into relationship analogies a lot. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> but now I'm prom queen. Oh, suddenly you want to dance with us. Well, do you know what? No, because I've got a queue of suitors at the mm. door. Mm-hmm. So now this is what he's doing. He's going, now when Ferrari's confidence is a little bit low, you know, self-esteem's <laughs> not quite there. And, and so now he's getting in there and he's, it's a choice with the team to, to invest and, and like with any investment, you've got to see something that no one else sees and then grow with it. As soon as everyone knows it's good, you're, you're going to struggle. And at that point as well, he'd be 41, 42, and mm-hmm. it would be less of a, it would be less glamorous. It would be less of a, a glamorous get. Now he's 38, statistically the, the greatest of all time, greatest of all time in, in my opinion, an absolute commercial superstar, the face of F1 for, for more than a decade in the most glamorous team, I mean, they're going to sell some cars, aren't they? They're going to they're going to shift some Ferraris on the strength of that. They're going to shift a ton of merchandise on the strength of it as well. And and I'm really curious what happens to the collective Lewis Hamilton fans who are, who are now they're all sitting there going through their tweets, deleting all the Ferrari slander <laughs> and buying red clothes and going, oh no, no, I've always I've always loved uh, Ferrari. In fact, if I lie now and say I've always loved Ferrari, does everyone? listening can everyone agree to 
just do a bit of retconning here. Yeah, we'll, we'll pinky swear. We'll, we'll kind of go back through and listen through okay, the episode. Let's make and it see, official then. See what we need to what we need to smooth over. Um, on you know going back to your selling cars point, I saw a tweet today, and I you know can't independently confirm this because I don't understand how stocks work, but I saw a tweet that said Ferrari stock rose six percent today. On on the heels on the heels yeah. of the Lewis Hamilton announcement. So whether that's true or not, I I found it's, it you know from a business standpoint very interesting. Um, it is you know. true, but, but there's a but. It is true, but there's a but. So the the caveat is that they also announced their profits mm. earlier, so that it was actually in line with that as well. But it, that would be an interesting thing. Oh, look how much the stock price rose. That's incredible. But but their stock in general as an F one team is now bigger. So you swap Lewis Hamilton for Carlos Sainz. You could argue all day about who would win in a, a straight fight. But when you heard Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari rumors, even if you'd heard them a month ago, no one is sitting there going, oh, well, that's it for Leclerc then. Nearly right. everyone would come right. to the conclusion that it was Carlos Sainz making way. And as great as Carlos Sainz, his hair is, and him as a person as well, but pff, mostly the hair, yeah. even after removing his race helmet, there's no comparison. There's no comparison in value and uh, media and just overall net worth between Carlos Sainz and, and Lewis Hamilton. Every single team, I'm sorry, every single team is taking Lewis Hamilton over Carlos Sainz. So their, their stock has gone up. So I want to get into a little bit behind the potential reasoning for this, because I have a lot of questions about this, more so from Lewis's perspective. I think we all understand why Ferrari wants to do this at this point. They haven't won a constructor's championship since 2008. They haven't won a driver's championship since 2007. They are the biggest name in Formula One. They've been failing at their goal for over 15 years. This is all part of their trajectory, basically, to trying to get back to being serious contenders and sort of clubhouse leaders among the Formula One elite. Um, And I can even understand why Lewis is wanting to move on from Mercedes after the 2021, you know, championship debacle. Basically, they've had real dogs of a car for for two years. We had all of the the porpoising in 2022 that was basically wrecking Lewis's back and oh, even yeah. making the drivers like nauseous while they were going through. It seemed awful. Last year, the car was up and down so much from week to week. It seemed like they weren't making progress. Like you said, they fully overhauled the side pod midseason and finally accepted that this was not the path going forward. But on the Ferrari side, granted, Ferrari had, you know, a better car than Mercedes in 2022, but they lost out to Mercedes last year in the constructors by three points, granted. But Ferrari has been most notable lately for its flubs from car failures to strategy messes to, you know, Charles and and Carlos basically calling out their own strategy over their radio and fighting with their race engineers. That's going to be Lewis next year. <laughs> I, I just like, I have a lot of questions. Like, is this the <sighs> right move for him? And, and I, I'm not convinced that it's not, but I'm not convinced that it is either. Yeah. I, my initial instinct was, uh, yeah, as a Hamilton fan, you know, scree- crying to the F1 gods first. Den- a lot of denial, especially yesterday. Uh-huh. And for good chunks of today, all the way up until seven o'clock, I was just waiting. Maybe, maybe there's, there's something, you know, like, Maybe that something will come in that it was it could it be a prank? No. So all the denial <laughs> was gone. But but obviously time makes fools of us all. But I I think no, this is a, a horrible move for, for Lewis Hamilton. 
lots of people are tempted there. So it depends what his motivation is. If mm-hmm. he's completely given up and he's gone, cool, nice big paycheck, maybe even, uh, he might have said to them, I-, I want a dollar more than Verstappen gets. Sure. You know, yeah. athletes are, are like that. Mm-hmm. Aren't they? Athletes do that all the time. Uh, so there could, there could be that because he could have looked at the Mercedes and if he'd have seen a championship winning car, I think he stays there. Yeah, so it's not like money's everything. But once he sees that's not a championship winning car, then what are his options? Red Bull's not an option. No one in the midfield's going to pay him the amount of money that Ferrari could. Mm-hmm. So, so really, yeah, that's, he could just be going, well, okay, let's get some race wins. Let's be at Ferrari. I'll be the Ferrari guy. Look, look what Seb did. He turned into Uncle Seb, didn't he? In front of her eyes. Das Finger. Sure did. One of the most annoying and irritating <laughs> F1 champions in history. Who just, if you're a fan, I guess you're a fan. But D- DTS fans, God love them. Mm-hmm. Just, you, do, you don't, don't know Das Definger. You don't know Definger. You know Uncle Seb. Yeah. This was, this so, was pre bee saving, pre cleaning up litter himself after Grand Prix. He wasn't <laughs> doing this during his Red Bull days. How aggravated I got seeing him. Oh, I'm just lovable Seb cleaning up on the grandstands <laughs> and everyone going, oh, what a guy. It was insane. You know, at least Alonso will stick to his path forever. He will be true to himself. He will be, uh, uh, I'm struggling to find an American-friendly word. I don't know which one of your swear words are good or bad. But, you know, (laughs) he's unapologetically Fernando Alonso. So so, Hamilton could be doing that because he wants a platform in F1. So I don't think he's going to quit. I think if you're going to keep not winning with Mercedes, there's that kind of busted flush that a lot of gamers will associate with when you, you have some wins with a random people you've met online and then it gives you the option to party up and then you don't win the next game and then it just starts to feel awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is a bad party, let's move on. So staying with Mercedes with that we must win attitude, it just feels like you are all failing each other all the time. So, so maybe he's, he's almost relieving that relationship. Okay, the burden of delivering the Lewis Hamil champi- Hamilton Championship isn't yours anymore. And, and my disappointment with that, it isn't mine anymore either. I can go to Ferrari with a fresh perspective where everything's kind of a bonus. Every race win will be celebrated with bread and circuses. He'll, he'll get a triumph. Yeah, every time he wins, mm-hmm. they'll bring him through Rome with elephants and exotic <laughs> uh, princes from, from Cairo. And that's what he'll get. That's what it will be celebrated like that, you know, championship or, or no. And it's a completely different set of values and wins but most importantly he keeps his f1 platform so he he, yeah. he loves that f1 platform he uses it for some pretty cool stuff and and to get pretty cool message, messages out and as popular as he is as soon as he leaves f1 that starts to to dwindle so in my to my mind it feels like it's a compromise he's gone okay this is not going to work I, I was i was hoping i was going to walk into the factory into the sim see the concept and and fall in love with it i haven't okay that's it. Let's come to terms with that. We're not, we're not fighting for the championship in 2024. What do, what do we do? What, what mm-hmm. are the options now? What does life look like now? And I think it's that decision. Okay. I, I, I don't think someone's said to him, Lewis, we've got it. We have unlocked the secret and 2026 is yours. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know. They might have done. But I, I don't think so. I think he's going to be Uncle Lewis. That's my, my, what do you think? You think he's going there to win championships? I... I could certainly understand the appeal if that was the reason behind it. Because if you are Lewis Hamilton and you resurrect Ferrari from 15, 16, 17 years of being 
not irrelevant, but not where they want to be. That is the ultimate feather in your cap. That is, you know, winning your eighth championship where Michael Schumacher, you know, won so many of his and sort of became Michael Schumacher. And that is a, a really huge deal and an understandable goal if that is what you're trying to do. I appreciate your sort of more level-headed look at it. And if that's what he's going into this with that kind of mindset, then like I'm game, let's do this. I will have a great time listening to you like berate Italian race engineers over the radio for not knowing whether it's plan A or plan Z or plan double L or whatever they're pulling out from that giant file cabinet. I I just, I, I always think of Ferrari sort of as like a dream in Formula One. And I don't know if you can join that team with realistic expectations. Yeah, well, there's there's talk of other staff changes. So we're going to hear announcements coming through. Obviously, that's going to end his relationship with Bono. So R. The, R. the race engineer, race driver. Yeah, because I, I imagine for, 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 for Bono, it would have Peter Bonington. He would have to take gardening leave, a substantial gardening leave. So he'd either have to leave now or, yeah. or he'd be a, yeah, a, a year late. So that, that's one thing. But yeah, you say you know, this appeal of being the one to resurrect Ferrari, that's like a, a, a an adventure movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> and he's, I'm going to be the one to save the, the town. And then he goes through the cave. And what do you see in the cave? Skeletons of past adventurers. Mm. So Lewis Hamilton on the way into Marinello, he's going to see the corpse of Alonso's Ferrari dream. Yeah, the corpse of Vettel's Ferrari dream. There's Massa <laughs> in the corner. Uh, Raikkonen still still half fighting a, a, a dragon. So I, I, I feel like it, it's got fool's errand written all over it if that's the motivation to go into it. But that's only from the deep, long history of disappointed and talented F1 drivers that went to, to Ferrari. Well, I mean, when's the last time it happened? When's the last time someone went, I'm, I'll make the switch to Ferrari and make them great? Literally Michael Schumacher. What year was that? 1999? 96. Was that the... 96? No, blimey, 96, that's 28 years ago. <laughs> so yeah, 28 years of broken <laughs> dreams and Hamilton put his hand up and said, me next. Oh, oh, I, I, please, 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 mother time, make, make a fool of me. Yeah. <laughs> Hold, take these words I've said and drag them through the internet when I'm wrong. Please, I beg you. I, it, it's something that I can't stop thinking about. And granted, I have very, very little confidence in Ferrari as a team. I've felt that way for a number of years now, especially so in this instance, because Lewis will be 40 by the time this deal kicks in. So assuming he's with Ferrari for at least two years, that is 2025. So the last year of these regulations, which, and then you know, yeah. who knows, Ferrari <clears throat> maybe does an incredible job in car development over the next two years and Red Bull maybe stagnates a little bit. Maybe that gap gets a little bit closer. Who knows? Who can say? Um, but I, I want to know what kind of conversations they've had with Lewis about what their 2026 plan looks like, because that has to be sort of what they're targeting as like fresh start, fresh new car. If we nail this and you are Lewis Hamilton, we can win a championship. Mm, so I wonder what they've said to him about relationships with other drivers as well. That's what oh, I'm really curious about. What's his status? Ferrari do whatever they say. They tend to have a favored number one driver. It's true. And Charles Leclerc just signed an extension, which uh, an Italian outlet <sighs> reported runs through 2028 with an exit clause after 2026. Really? So if, if that is true, then it seems like Leclerc will be there at least through 2026. 
That's why I don't see how that works. I don't see that. Well, in that case, if it is a straight fight, mm-hmm. it, it's an interesting straight fight. So yeah. how old is Leclerc? Sort of peak, peak sports age, mid-20s? I'm going to, I'll just guess, 25. He looks about 25. He's still... He's 26. He's still got that... 26, yeah. He's still got that fresh look in his eyes. He's got hope. He, he doesn't know. He doesn't know how bad things are going to work out. And there's that crushing feeling of everything getting gradually less hopeful and darker. Hamilton does. So they're, they're meeting at different times in their careers. But who, who do you think wins? Who do you think wins? Who's the, who's, who comes out on top? I would still give the edge to Lewis in experience. Um, if only because I have seen so much Charles, Charles Leclerc anguish over the last two years and so many shots of him walking around the grid while cars are still going and he has his sad little helmet on going to a scooter, scooter <laughs> or sitting on a deck chair or whatever. It is sad. Sad you know, little helmet. That's right. Oh my God. That's, uh, that sounds like an album that uh, so, a retired F1 driver might, might, yeah, might put maybe, out. Yeah, maybe we should write one. Um, but I, I just feel like Lewis will come in with something to prove. And this is another opportunity for him to best yet another up and coming, you know, next great driver. This is another chance mm. for him on level footing to show I how think, great he yeah. is. Consistency, that might be the downfall for Leclerc. So yeah. we might we might have yeah. kind of a George Russell situation where Leclerc bests him in qualifying and Lewis does better in, you know, consistently in races or something along those lines. I don't know. But I'm curious, you know, when you're developing the Ferrari car going forward, are you developing it for one of their preferences one over the other? Yeah, you'd need uh, someone with more driving knowledge and talent, I guess, to say, do they have similar driving styles right, where right. it's where it's compatible? And then often there it's no no clash if it's close enough that they can all kind of dial in their own setup. Uh, but that Ferrari has no tire wear at all. It just disappears on, right. on race stints. So there's, there's a couple of things here. You go, well, is that down to the drivers? Because if you look at the difference between George Russell and Lewis Hamilton on a high wear stint, then you go, they look like different cars almost. Mm-hmm. Because Hamilton's got some, two thirds of the way through that stint, Hamilton suddenly got tire life and pace. Was it Interlagos this year? where Russell was really pushing to be let by when Hamilton was, was saving his tires. And, and then it just looked so dumb because Russell could not hold on then mm-hmm. towards the end of that, that stint. And he just disappeared, not only overheated his, his rears, but overheated his engine. Hamilton was managing all of that. So if you painted those two cars different colors, you'd probably go, oh, they're two different teams. They're sure. completely different characteristics of race pace versus qualifying pace. So if you put... Two Lewis Hamiltons in that Mercedes, it looks great. To George Russell's on that day, it would look like the Ferrari. So that's what I'm fascinated to see. Put Lewis Hamilton in that Ferrari, do, do the tires drop off as much? Mm-hmm. How, how dependent is it on the setup and how dependent is it on the driver? That'll be really interesting. If it is driver, so if Hamilton can go in there and solve one of their biggest problems, which is managing tire wear through a stint, maybe they unlock something. And that, that could be special. And that, is very dangerous for, for Leclerc. Mm-hmm. Your stock can go down very, very quickly in F1, Daniel Ricciardo. Wow, shots. <laughs> I didn't well, think we would have any Danny Rick talk today. This is... Well, didn't he? His stock went way down because he couldn't even it's get true. close to, to Norris. And it, it was true. crushing. And it, the, these guys, they're like prize fighters. And you, you, you think, oh, Prince Nassim Hamed in the 90s, you know, going around bullying everyone all the way up and down the ladder. And everyone loves him. He takes a couple of hits. We could say Anthony Joshua, I guess. Then, was it Ruiz knocked him down? And suddenly people go, oh, 
well, maybe he wasn't, you know, the next Muhammad Ali. I mm-hmm. think it's the same with F1 drivers. If they get a season-long yeah. kick-in from a teammate, it's hard for that kind of ethereal excitement to, to be maintained. The shine goes off once you see them you know, be bested by a teammate. Yeah, the narrative can change really, really fast and how, you know, the kinds of questions you're getting asked, how your performances are being framed, all of that can change incredibly quickly. Does this pairing, is this the, well, I guess we don't know many of the other pairings yet it, for 2025. It depends only, who goes to Mercedes, doesn't it? It does. Mercedes and, depending on who Red Bull decides is going to win their second seat sweepstakes for 2025. Yeah, because it's interesting. Of, a lot of interest, but I have a hard time imagining any existing or any pairing on the grid that could be better or more exciting in 2025 than Lewis and Charles. Wow. Who who would you have to put next to Max Verstappen to be as excited about as the Ferrari team? Like Fernando Alonso? Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be juicy, wouldn't it? That would be <laughs> juicy. But can we have a 30-year-old? Yeah. That might be the only one Alonso. I'm that excited it might be- about. But that is because we currently, both of us, rate Leclerc very highly. So mm-hmm. he got in there from Sauber, got to grips with the car and dominated that team and, and made it his, stole it from Uncle Seb. How dare he? And then has looked broadly the stronger driver against Carlos Sainz. I, I know Carlos Sainz, Sainz fans will will want to email uh, Meg. So yeah. email Meg at Feel free. F1. Uh, Feel free. But, but, but he has. Okay, so you, know, you can look at results and people will go, yeah, but th- in this period, science did this. Just, you know, broadly speaking over the season, I think you'd be hard pushed to find people who'd say they're going to pick Carlos Sainz long-term over Charles Leclerc. And so, so Leclerc at the moment, his, as a prize fighter, he's come in, he, he's, he's bullied. Who did he beat at Salba? The Swedish, uh, the Swedish, Ericsson. So he beat Ericsson at, at Salba, looked great did this with Seb, has looked top class against Signs. But if Hamilton came in and, and after six months, you know, he's, he's rinsing him on a Sunday on race pace, yeah, suddenly it doesn't look like that exciting yeah. a, a pairing anymore. So at the moment, but let, let's imagine they're going to be pretty close matched. Mm-hmm. I think at the moment you would have to go with, see, Nor- Norris is, is broadly unpro- in the prize fighter stakes. Yeah. Who's who's he kind of gone up against and 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 had a and had a big knockout with? So big knockout on Ricardo, mm-hmm. but then you go well. Ricardo's stakes dropped out after that, uh, and Alonso's older than me. No, he's not. He's a year younger than me. <laughs> so he's, he's forty two, I think. Uh-huh. So it's not prime Alonso. It's very 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 hard to think of a pairing that would be more exciting than that. Bring back Kamui Kobayashi. That might do it. <laughs> there you go. This episode is brought to you by Mobile One. The Mobile One brand knows podcasts are a great escape. You can listen to people talking about living and maybe even driving, but of course, there's no substitute for the real thing. So the next time you're looking for an escape, try an actual escape. Take this podcast for a ride in the car and immerse yourself in the drive, because sometimes the best way to escape reality is to truly live in it. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash the ringer to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Let's get into the Mercedes of this. Sorry in advance. Do you think George Russell is doing cartwheels around his apartment right now? Do you think this is like the most thrilled George Russell has ever been in his whole life? Yeah. Yes. It's, 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 it, 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 what it's done is it's, it's, it's given a, a definite end point to this challenge. So if he was staying, it would be this year, next year, hanging around for 2026. Mm-hmm. And in all of that time, he has the, the backing and loyalty of, oh, God, oh, Toto Wolf. He's got the loyalty of Toto Wolf. All those statements. I'm here to win. I'm here to win with Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And he's just had his heart ripped out of his chest and it's star shaped, actually. As it happens, it's a three-pointed heart. Oh, is that, that he's right? Got. Yeah, all the chambers are just arranged in like three three points. <laughs> and so he would have had the full support of, of Toto Wolf and the backing of the team. And, uh, and, and Russell was stuck. Like He was going to have to really pull something out of the bag to show that he was the number one driver in all of that to get his shot at the title. So this is, this is objectively better for George Russell. So his gamble now is Lewis Hamilton got it wrong in either the, the 2025 car ends up being more of a challenge and then the, their 2026 effort in the new regs is, is amazing. And so, th- so that's, okay, so that's a gamble in itself. Hamilton's made the other gamble. Then he's got to deal with whatever they bring in, which right. could be really, really dangerous. So they could bring in Alonso. That's my vote. Bring in Alonso Mine for too. 2025. Mine too. As, um, it's going to be a placeholder because he's, he's old. Right. You know, he's, he's old. In 2025, so he's 42 now. He'll be, I can't do math, 43, 44? Maybe turning 44 during the season? It all blurs into one after about 37, 38. (laughs) It's all just one sciatica-filled, hobbly (laughs) knee. Is that hip going to last? I don't think that hip's going to last. So especially for athletes, you know, things start to to wear. Mm -hmm. For Russell, he's got two really dangerous things here. So what if Alonso comes in? The, the, The car isn't competitive, but Alonso is is better than him. Alonso performs better. And I, I think that's possible. So then you've been beaten by a 43-year-old. You've been beaten by a veteran. And not even in the veteran league. In the, in, in, on the Saturday league, you've been beaten by the veteran. And then Antonelli comes in and beats him. Like, this is, it's a really dangerous time for, yeah. for George Russell. So I don't think... The thing is, if you're at Mercedes, one of the top teams, every driver you come up against should be a, a challenge. But he hasn't got the me- measure of Lewis Hamilton. So if you bring in someone that George Russell will end up beating, it's hard to argue that the overall driver pairing strength has has not gone down. Yeah. Does that it, make it, sense? I've gone a bit. Yeah. No, it does. It does. Yeah. I, I think this is going to make for an all-time silly season in F1 because if you look at the current grid and the current contracts that are out there, there are not very many drivers who are under contract outside of 2024. So you have Max... Charles, George, now Lewis, both McLaren drivers are locked down. But that leaves like half the grid is open. That's what, seven seats? Assuming that Red Bull brings in one of their, you know, three guys, four guys on rotation to level up to Max's second seat. That's not very many seats that are locked in. So you have 
a and, whole list of current F1 drivers that you could possibly choose from for 2024. But you they've also, got options as well. They've got options too. It's a buyer's do, market, isn't it? But when you're looking at the teams, you're like, okay, so we're crossing off Ferrari because they have both seats filled for 2025. You're probably mentally crossing off Red Bull because they're, we expect, I expect them to take, you know, one of their current B team drivers or yeah, somebody in point. their pipeline, yeah. something like that. So that's Red Bull is gone. Ferrari is gone. Which team would you rather be with more than Mercedes after those? So you would think, I would think that they would have their pick of these guys. So it's like, if you're, are you going to go pitch Alex Albon on like, look at what you did at Williams. This is what you could do here. Or, you know, you have Fernando Alonso or you have, you know, Carlos Sainz or you have whoever. I I feel like they should have their pick of who they want. I put the same question to my friend, Matt, who is a big Albon fan. And I said, I said, Albon's it's going to be an unimaginative choice. It's not a Mercedes level choice. He got upset with me. He, he said, well, he, he, he would challenge George Russell. I said, well, okay, that's not the question. Would he have yeah. challenged Lewis Hamilton? That's what you want. You want Lewis Hamilton level, not only driving skill, but it's the Mercedes brand. And they have shareholders who could withdraw funding. That probably won't now because they make profit. But you have shareholders to think of as well. And they want... And Lewis Hamilton, this is a huge, huge loss for Mercedes. Who who has got superstar power on that level? Do you try and lure Verstappen away? That's one option. Crazier well, things have happened. That's part of why I like the Fernando Alonso sort of, maybe you give him yes. like a two-year bridge because then you mm-hmm. have him for a couple of years. And then once all of these other driver contracts are starting to come through, you know, the Max Verstappen coming available, potentially, Land- I, I forget how long Lando Norris's deal is, but like if they have any exit clause in their deals, whatever, like that is a really attractive kind of bridge gap t- until you're able to have other conversations. I don't think Norris is that level. When you when you say like forget really? driving ability for a second, when you're saying appeal superstar level, yeah, I don't, I don't think I think Lando Norris would be considered as an exciting prospect for a top team. If you if you were to say Mercedes was signing Leclerc, I think the shareholders would be happy. Leclerc's got that kind of superstar appeal, race winner, has been already at a top team. I think that appeal that would be Norris. Is is I don't that think just that people are getting? Is that just because he's been with Ferrari, though? Because I'm not convinced yeah, Charles Leclerc is necessarily a better driver than Lando Norris. No, I'm, I'm not really talking about even okay. driver skill. Okay. You know, it's about perception with these prize fighters. Who's, mm. who's won the big money fights in Madison Square Garden? That's Leclerc. Leclerc yeah. went and dethroned the four-time world champion and took it, made it his own. Then he's had, um, what do you call it when you have to fight the next contender? Uh, 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 ob- 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 an obligation fight? There's a, there's a term for it. But his obligation fight was Carlos Sainz. And he's won on a technicality. He's won on points, yeah. I think. It's a points decision with Carlos Sainz. His stock is high. He's considered a superstar in, in Formula One. The shareholders would, would be happy with that. Honestly think, Alonso, is, it, the more we talk, it's a no-brainer. You get mm-hmm. Alonso in there and you, mm-hmm. he'll be delighted. He will be delighted to go in there. I think he goes and beats George Russell. Oh, if he there's a championship, body slam George Russell. <laughs> body slam, yeah. I, I mean, just and, and, I, Sunday, and I mean you know? physically, like not in the points. Like I think he would like physically yeah. body slam his car into George Russell's car. But he'd be exciting, you know. The media would would love him. He's a great ambassador, and he's mm-hmm. just so you know charismatic and larger than life. He, he'll perform on track as well. He'll play mind games. And, and if Mercedes happen to have a championship winning car, mm-hmm. Alonso can bring that championship home. So now Mercedes are looking at, at who can bring a championship home. Yeah. 
with George Russell, do they have confidence that George Russell flips the switch as the number one and goes and takes that home? Or do you go and just pick up Alonso and let him do it? So so this was going to be my next question to you is if you think George Russell has what it takes to be a number one driver. Because fair or not, my lasting impression of him from this last season has been all of the, for all of the wrong reasons. Like he, when he hit the wall in the Canadian Grand Prix trying to catch Fernando Alonso, when he did not finish in Singapore, when he turned in on Max Verstappen in Vegas, he did not have like a horrific season, but he finished eighth in the driver's standings, which is, if you're a Mercedes driver, not really acceptable, especially when you have a gap as large as he did between him and Lewis. Now, he finished fourth in 2022, so that was some pretty significant regression. And my guess is that the truth of where his driving prowess is is somewhere in the middle of those two things. I have a hard time seeing him stepping up to this kind of level and having all of that kind of confidence. I don't know. Do you feel differently? There are number ones and there are number ones, isn't there? So there's plenty of teams out there where he could be a number one. Like Albon is out there being a number one driver for for Williams. And if Williams were to suddenly turn up with the the race winning car, then you've kind of got Braun 2009 scenario. Would Albon lead that team and and win? And Sargent would probably not quite win, if I could be diplomatic. Then then yeah, so in, in that, yeah, he can because... With Hamilton not there, he's not going to be held back by Hamilton. Say he's the out-and-out number one, and he had a Hamilton there that, that ended up in front of him through strategy, and, and they, they did a swap and let him through. He would have had better races in 2023. So because their driving styles and approach to, to the weekend was different enough, they were tripping over each other a lot. So if he's an out-and-out number one driver, does he mm-hmm. deliver more? Yeah, I think, I think he does. Yeah, that eighth place does make it look quite, quite bad. So at the moment, a number one at the top team in a championship fight, I, I wonder whether you, you would have full confidence in that. And if you do, cool, go and, go and drag a young superstar in, you know, take a, mm-hmm. take a risk. Who, who's, the, who's the, you know, a, a Sonoda or a, a Lawson, st- Steeler Lawson? And I, sure. I know contracts make that not quite possible. But if you had Antonelli ready to go and, and you really think he's your superstar, of the future, but you think Russell's got it for the present, then you bring that in. So maybe who they hire will say a lot about what they think about Russell's ultimate potential. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, um, but just Alonso up there fighting for wins. That's going to be fun. So that would be fun. best for F1. If I was Dominicali, I'd be on the phone to Wolf now going, mate, <laughs> you know what you've got to do. You know what you've got to do. Come on, Make the let's call. Do it. Make the call. Oh, God. Like, just seeing Fernando Alonso and Total Wolf in strategy meetings would be fascinating. Fascinating. The last piece of this puzzle that I bring to your attention is one Carlos Sainz and where where the youngster goes from here. It it seems that, you know, as, as sad as it is, I'm sure, for him to leave Ferrari, he has a lot of options. As, you know, we were talking about earlier, there's not much that's already established on the grid for 2025. So after this season, there are a lot of available seats out there. You know, both Williams will be open. Both Alpines will be open. Stake F1 will be open, which in 2026 turns into Audi, which is yeah, potentially an interesting proposition. Yeah. That that would be the one that I would lean toward for him. I mean, you know, the stake name is not all that exciting for one season, but once you get into Audi, maybe that launches you farther up the grid. Who knows? Um, which teams do you think he'd be a good fit for? Where do you think he goes from here? Well, science probably does a job 
anywhere, doesn't he? Yeah. What we're talking about is in F1, there's a few options. So look at like Grosjean and Magnussen. They both got to that point where the top teams weren't going to pick them up anymore. And then mm-hmm. what do you do? You, you go about your racing in a, a solid way with a nice team, get your paycheck, be, be nice. <laughs> and, and that's sort of the Hulkenberg, Grosjean, Magnussen situation there. And there's, there's something to be said for that because they don't get paid nothing, do they? For right. going and doing that. You, you right. go and pick up your check. You've got a brilliant job. The lifestyle is pretty good. The other option in, in F1, I suppose, is then, right, are you going for your, your championship teams? Is there another team that will take Carlos Sainz at the top? We, we mentioned Mercedes. We, did Sainz's name not come up as an option? Um, straight it, swap. it is an option, sure. St- you- straight swap? Stop messing around with 2025 because it's so far away and it's going to be so awkward for the rest of the year. <laughs> straight swap, just do it now. Just do it now. What, what are they going to do at launch season? It's it's like being on basically it's like being on honeymoon and you're already divorced. So they're going to be on launch season with Lewis Hamilton standing there going thumbs <laughs> up, but he's got a, a Ferrari armband on, and and they know that signs is out of the door. It's so awkward. There we go. That, I've solved it. Straight swap. Do it in the next week or so, and then let's just start 2024 as we mean to go on. I'm not into it. Now you have me sold on Alonso to Mercedes. Oh, because oh, I've into taken it. away the dream of Alonso, haven't I? I'm not I? into it. I'm not <laughs> In into it. In one fell swoop. Mm. But, yeah, so, but, but for signs, I think he does a job anywhere. So he's got a long career in F1, but at the moment, there's no championship seats on offer. And, and so he had the, the Red Bull. He was in the Red Bull lineage. Well, so I, lost was, out to, I was to just going to ask you, do you think there's any realm in which he and Christian Horner have a heart-to-heart this year? You know, they're chilling, they're having a glass of wine and they're like, you know who I really miss? You. What if you decided to come back and do this now that you're a little bit older, a little bit wiser, you've been on a Ferrari <laughs> team, you understand how it works. I mean... After being dumped, after being dumped. <laughs> uh, well, the thing is, yeah. Yeah, he, he was neglected at Red Bull and then... Yeah, was like, no, everyone I can, is, I can... unless you're Max Verstappen. But it also, it doesn't feel fair to me that Carlos Sainz is, is losing out like this. No, it didn't it feel stinks. like it was finished. It doesn't feel like he's done in, in badly enough to be just completely cast out of the, the top echelons of F1. Like this, that doesn't feel right. This is unlucky. Yeah. Hamilton's sort of stolen his seat in, in a way, hasn't he? And, and if, if it's not going to be a direct swap, then he's really missed out. Yeah, I didn't realize how sorry I felt for Carlos Sainz until just then. He should, he should yeah. be up there having a shot at the top going for it. I don't, I've never seen Carlos Sainz as a journeyman. I've seen him as someone who is on a path to to at least mm-hmm. go for the very top prize. He put oh, out a very, a very classy statement today, but it was very, you know, tinged with sadness about having to leave, yeah. leave the Tifosi I think, I behind. Th- I felt something there. Have I got a, have I got like an unrequited Carlos Sainz fan something <laughs> in my chest? That I, did I not realize it until just now? He was there. He was there all along. He was right in front of me. What a fool I've been. Oh my gosh. I love it. Um, <laughs> Carlos Sainz go to Red Bull challenge. That's my new, that's my new challenge. If, if we're not going to get Daniel oh, Ricciardo back, bring, bring Carlos Sainz back. I was not expecting today. This has been an unexpected day and massive. Hey, one thing with Lewis Hamilton at Ferrari though. Yeah. Imagine he goes to Ferrari and wins a title. Like, just like, imagine that for a second. He's won a title at McLaren, moved to Mercedes, unfancied, 
won a title, goes to Ferrari, notorious for, for bodging titles, and, and goes and revitalizes that. Three championships with three different teams would be undisputed GOAT, undisputed greatest of all time. And, and I often get a little bit annoyed with this, how many titles people have got as a measure of success. So saying, oh, Schumacher and Hamilton, they're, they're clear of everyone on the strength of having seven titles. It, it seems a bit silly because, you know, are you really counting 2019 and 2020 where he's, Hamilton's cruised? To me, that feels like one era. And then the battles against Ferrari 27, 2018, that feels like one, you know, mm-hmm. era. McLaren feels like one. If he goes to Ferrari and does it again, that, that feels like one. So, you know, when people, like the, the, the Vettel one at Red Bull where it was four in a row in that yeah. era you go is that is that worth the same as alan prost's four it, it never seems like a good measure of success for me mm-hmm. but if you go and do it at three teams there is an undeniable greatness there so please 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 let me be wrong i haven't done a very good job of being of hiding my bias or even tempering it at all this episode i apologize it's off season <laughs> that's why off season when we get into the regular season i'll be i'll be all like um be super media-y. I'll be like Kev. I'll be like Kev Clark. There you go. I'll be all, uh, there you go. Yeah, I'll be all pro with it. Yeah. Get some cool jackets. Be great. <laughs> yeah, um, it's got some cool jackets. If Lewis Hamilton wins at Ferrari, I think the Tifosi will gather together and like remove Italy from the continent of Europe and just send it like sailing into the ocean as a celebration. Like I, I honestly think that is the level that nuts. we would that we would get to if, Imagine if, if he just wins, wins at Monza. Imagine if he wins at Monza. Yeah, the right. scenes at Monza. It's gonna go nuts. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's uh, there's certainly potential for some some glory to be had there. I personally, as a Hamilton fan, I'm I'm disappointed. Before we go, we got some other news this week that uh, before this Lewis signing seemed like it might be the biggest news of the F1 off season. Oh, what a quaint notion that is! Uh, a day later, and that's that Formula One officially rejected Michael Andretti and Cadillac's bid to enter the championship in either 2025 or 2026. This was always going to be the final hurdle for Andretti um, after the FIA had approved his plan in October. And it was always going to be really the most significant challenge. The FIA, you know, seemed to back his bid right from the get-go. And the FIA was always, or F1 was always a lot more resistant. F1 gave a few reasons for its rejection. One being that it didn't believe an 11th team would add financial value. Another that they were worried about additional costs to race promoters, which I had a good, good long laugh about. Another that Andretti would not be an immediately competitive participant, which seems like a very high bar to clear. And most of it, though, seemed to rely around or center around the engine. Um, One of the wrinkles of Andretti's bid was that despite partnering with Cadillac in it, he likely would have had to use a Renault engine until 2028 when General Motors is planning to have a full-fledged F1 power unit ready. The F1 statement said, quote, the need for any new team to take a compulsory power unit supply potentially over a period of several seasons would be damaging to the prestige and standing of the championship. So that was why they were not pleased with the engine deal. F1 did leave a future Andretti bid open as a possibility for 2028, provided that it would be using a GM power unit, either as a works or a customer team. But for now, it's a no-go. What was your reaction to this note, this news? I personally, like, I didn't find it especially surprising, but um, oh, what no. did you make of, no, no. of F1's reasoning? Yeah. Not surprising at all. It was, it was more deemed, uh, doomed the noble team uh, on, on reach, Halo reference, sorry, 
Uh, I was just playing that earlier today, but it was doomed. It was doomed. It was never. Yeah. It was never going to happen. And I, I was. I was speaking to Joe Saywood, who's really clued in on the business side of things earlier on, and he he actually didn't value the Andretti bid in the first place. But being very aware how American this podcast is, I, I, I'm changing my answer. Uh, Andretti Great. were robbed. Their FIA <laughs> FOM is bad. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of romance to the story of, of Andretti coming in, crossing the, the Atlantic and, and succeeding in F1. Mm-hmm. There was a few things going against that, which is, you know, this isn't, this isn't as, as spec as the other championships he's been in. There's a huge, huge engineering challenge ahead. And, and was it actually Andretti who was going to be on, on the pit wall with a clipboard? Or was it people who were using the Andretti name and franchise to, to get a foothold in F1. So, so I think Joe was less convinced that, that it was the, the former and more convinced that that kind of name was being used almost by investors to, to get mm. in on the boom in Formula One. But it has not gone down well in America. And there's a lot mm. of very, very upset Americans. It, it feels on the surface to be a snub of America. But F1, F1 is American. So, so you know, these, this is, Liberty is an American organization. Sure that has rejected it. But I, I honestly think they had the answer first. They already knew, no, we don't want to share. So Liberty and the teams, loosely speaking and not in a legal sense, but work together with a, a common aim. They, they've worked together to grow F1. They, they know each other. You know, they, they will have lunch together. They, they all understand and talk about with each other what is the best for them. And they're all making money right now. So I don't really understand if you thought that Andretti was going to come in and increase the revenue by a tenth of, of Formula One, and this is what the dilution fee was meant to be. So they mm-hmm. said right. a, a while ago now, maybe like five, six years ago, maybe before the big spike in value of the teams, they said, okay, 200 million and, and you're in. That's the fee. And at the time that was like, whoa. So yeah. they're basically saying, it was basically a hands-off. 200 million? You're joking. But then all the valuations of the teams came in, and I think a lot of them are worth like a billion, aren't they? So um, apparently Sauber is being sold. That's, that's like a billion, is, is that kind of level. So you go, oh, okay, well, suddenly it's very profitable to, to buy into to an F1 team. But the agreement and rules they had was out of date. So really, if you were going to make that decision mm-hmm. now and set that fee now, you'd go, okay, 700 million minimum. A billion would be the, the buy-in to get in. And that, that thing is spread amongst the teams and the teams don't lose out by, by yeah, exactly. We're in, in the weeds here of, of business and I can see your right. eyes glazing over and I'm not even confident of what I'm saying. <laughs> but that's, that's the general approach, which is I think Liberty have looked at that, that dilution clause they have and go, it's not up to purpose. How can we delay the entries, delay all new entries? And this is just my opinion and my hunch, delay entries until we get that new agreement in and we get a new dilution fee in. Because I don't buy any of the reasons. That, that came through top to bottom. I've had a big argument, big stand-up pointy argument with, uh, with Joe earlier in the day. So the, the engine thing, oh, you can't have a customer team engine. Yes, you can. Right. Every team that's come right. in has had a customer engine. Haas had a customer engine. You can't just swap them between the engines. Yeah, you can. Uh, Alpha Tauri did it. Uh, Red Bull have done it. Uh, McLaren have done it a, a couple of times. Of course you can switch engines. That's why you're an engine supplier. That, that You get it from a supplier. It's, it's an off-the-shelf item. Um, I don't buy the the garages. Right. What, what you mean? It was like eight years ago that we had twenty six car grid, twenty four car grid. 
that, that just happened. Right. Do they all about? go through and revamp every track and remove yeah. all of what those extra spaces? And, yeah. yeah. Absolute rubbish. Absolute I think rubbish. I think that's where I've seen the most criticism and not even just from F, or from American F1 fans and things, but even from like European journalists who were not defending Andretti necessarily, but more so picking apart the, the list of reasons that F1 gave because it is That's all so I... silly. Like like the sort of being immediately competitive thing seems next to impossible for any future entrance. Yep. Like if that is going oh, to be yeah. a standard that you hold any new team to, then you might as well never accept a new bid again because you have yeah. to work up to that level. Like you're going to come in probably at a Haas level and then you have to get better from there, but you can't come in cold to F1 and automatically assume you're going to be competitive. That's where exactly where I'm at, by the way, which is okay. the, it's the, the list is what upset me. The list yeah. of reasons. I'd yeah. go, no, no, no. You're trying to make out that you were sitting there going, oh, maybe, do you know what? We should let Andretti in. Let's check our little checklist. of. Re- <laughs> oh, you know what? They don't meet any of that criteria. Can you believe it? Right. No. They've come up with a, a plausible list to come to the conclusion that they wanted. And uh, I'm going to bet as well, because it's 12 team maximum at the moment okay. uh, that the FIA is allowed to submit. Bet you anything that that changes to 10 when they, when they next revisit these agreements. And I think that will very much verify you know, what's happened. So it's mm-hmm. 12 at the moment. They jumped through the hoops to get th- past the FIA uh, process. And the FIA, they, they must know that Liberty didn't want another team. And yeah. they've gone there and they've gone, <laughs> we're going to approve them. Tick. Okay, <laughs> you deal with it. And it was a, you know, it was a, a hospital pass. Um, and, it, and it feels like a deliberate hospital pass, doesn't it? So, yeah. so that, I, think it, I think it was doomed. Um, but I also, I, I feel with the American fans that they feel like, like they're not now, they, they, they've been snubbed. And, and I'm not sure it was that. I don't think it was Americanist. Uh, I, I just feel like the whole endeavor was doomed. They, I don't think they stood a, a chance. Um, I, I feel sorry for them if they genuinely thought they had a chance and have invested. Uh, and and then I wonder, are they going to take are they going to take any action after this rejection? That's that's sort of the question that's hanging now. Yeah, I, I think the part of the American side that I understand is, you know, in in their statement, they add, they included something about not Andretti not adding enough interest to Formula One to to sort of justify this move. And if you're just talking financials, like fine, maybe that is true. But when you have Liberty Media and F1 pushing F1 so hard in America to kind of have that double-edged sword of like, yeah, we really, really want you to be interested in F1, but also like this adding this American team who wants to have American drivers and wants to have an American engine and all of this is not going to drive interest enough for us to do it. Like that just feels a little bit disingenuous. It does. But yeah, go sorry, mate. Well, no, I I, I was just going to say too, like if they had just come out in their statement and said, hey, like the current entry fee is not enough money for us. And we also want you to bring GM with you when you come. And so like do it in 2028 and we'll, we'll be cool. Fine. But if you're going to run down this checklist of like, well, and also there aren't enough spaces on the paddock, like, I don't know what you want us to do. We're a multi-billion dollar company, but we can't expand a garage like that. Like that is just that's just lying to me and making me, you know, feel like you don't know my level of intelligence as a fan. It's it's a bummer. That's how I felt, honestly. Yeah. So I I felt like my intelligence was being insulted a little bit. And so if it turns out those reasons are 100 percent genuine or they believe it's 100 percent genuine, then then fine. I, you know, I'm happy to take people to their word, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that. And I, I completely understand why people are, are, are upset. But I think what, what it is, is they couldn't say 
we're rejecting you because sure. we prefer you to come in at the time when our contracts say sure. that you will you will have more money. So they can't say that. Uh, and I think they, they know as much as they would like all the good things that you talked about, all the goodwill, all the great stories with it, the maths are, aren't going to work out. And so the one point I think that they did have some some merit with was let's let's assume that F1's kind of on the crest, kind of peaking. You know, in, in America, it's had this great rise and it's kind of peaking. It's going to level off. It's going to plateau. What is Andretti going to do to increase the overall value by 10% to, to make sure that that gets distributed to the teams and they don't miss out? If the teams miss out, then they're going to get angry at Liberty Media and that, that relationship is soured. And I think that relationship is solid. With the Andretti bid, Every single team principal, bar one, all said a flat no. We don't need another team. It's ridiculous. Who said? Who said not a no? Zach Brown. So I'm yeah. saying the only American team principal. Would, would you like Andretti man. to join? <laughs> yeah, would you like Andretti to join? And he's like, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, definitely, absolutely, but not for two hundred million. So he said right. it. He said right. what you wanted Liberty Great. to say. He said, yeah, come in, but two hundred million is not enough. Let's let's say seven hundred million. So he's saying like close to a billion and let's chat. So even yeah. his not a no was actually in line with exactly the result that the FOA, that Liberty Media have come to, but mm -hmm. they used different reasoning, but it's basically exactly what Zach Brown said. Sure. Yeah. Sad, Ugh, it? It's a bummer. I want more teams. It's a bummer. I, want, I want more teams. I want, Me too. I want 30 teams. It's never going to happen. Just a full grid. Imagine how much fun qualifying would be if there were yeah. oh, 30 yeah. teams. Yeah, it's a good point. How did, how did they ever do qualifying in the olden days? Honestly, it would be really interesting chaos. You would get some some very fun grids every, every it, race. I know I'm really young, but I somehow remember really, really old qualifying. <laughs> and there was one format where it was just an hour's open qualifying, but no one wanted to go out there and degreen the track to lay mm -hmm. the rubber down. So the cars would just sit there and sit there and sit there. And then the last five minutes, it was absolute chaos <laughs> as everyone went to try and set a lap. And that was kind of fun in a way, but you can see why they then went to this yeah. three-tiered system that we have now. Uh, which they've, which they, which is great actually. So, but if you added four more teams, you could have Q one, which is chaos, and go all the way up to Q four. That's what you could do. Oh, a new Q. Yeah, be into yeah, that. A I new like that. Q. I An like extra that. Extra fifteen minutes. Let's pitch it. Sorry, America. I feel bad for America. Sorry. Yeah, I feel I bad feel for bad. myself too. I'm bummed. You've got Haas. You've still got Haas. They oh, might. Um, what if we just swapped? What if we swapped Andretti <laughs> and for Haas? Maybe. Or we'll give you one of the British teams to make up for it. So there which you go. one which one do you want? Go on. Which one do you want? Will, you can have Williams. I want Williams. That's, have, that's actually what Williams. I was gonna say. So great. Yeah. Congratulations to us. Williams, you're at your American. Yep, American now. now. Well, we got an American driver, so that, that fits We're completely. we're adopting Williams. Congratulations. Thank you, Spanners, for joining. Thanks to Erica Cervantes for the production help. And thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been the Ringer F1 show. We will be back very soon to preview the 2024 Formula One season. Can you believe we are about a month away? I really can't. Ooh, thanks, everyone. Can I come? Can yeah, I come? Of course. Of course. <laughs> thanks, everyone.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.